Welcome once again to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. In this episode, Pastor Andrew digs into the writings of Paul and how our perseverance will produce fruit for God's kingdom. There's two things I want to raise, and one comes out of the reading from Micah, and he says, Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. Isaiah has a very similar verse, saying the same things, but adding that we will not need to teach one another. In other words, there's a time and a place where God himself is going to teach his people. And you know, that word has not yet come to pass. Instead of us having instructors, instead of us having scribes, instead of us having teachers, God himself will instruct us. And you know, it has taken thousands of years is to even come close to the fulfillment of those particular words and those particular passages. What this is saying is that God is coming to a place where we don't need to learn from our priests, from our teachers. God is going to teach us himself. Now, it doesn't mean that our priests and our teachers don't have a place in that. Their place is to show us how to come up to a place in our lives where we can hear and learn from God ourselves. God wants to teach us. He wants to be able to speak to our hearts. He wants us to think things through. In the parable of the sower in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus basically says that the seed that was sown along the path where the birds came and ate the seeds, like those who hear the message of the kingdom, but don't understand it. And the evil one comes and takes the seed away. So when we don't spend that effort to think through what God is saying to us, to think through a word that is given to us, to think through the message of the kingdom, the message goes. It doesn't stay steady. It doesn't stay there and think, oh, look, I'll get to that when I've got some time. Or I'm really pushed at the moment. I will pick that up next week. And you know, next week never occurs. And one of the reasons it never occurs is the message is no longer there. That's what Jesus is saying for that one. But the one who's sown on the fourth ground, who actually understands. And because they understand, they produce fruit. So to understand means to, hey, God has just said something. So I need to take the time now to begin to think it through. I can't leave it till tomorrow. 
If God is saying something, stop everything. And say, what are you getting at, Lord? You know, sometimes we'll miss a revelation because we don't take that minute to think what's he saying. But don't think you're going to get the message clear in a minute. That's just the beginning. You need to sift through the word that God has given to you. If you've had a word of God that is given to you a decade ago and you still remember and you think it still hasn't happened, then you need to do some thinking about it. You need to do some sifting about it because somewhere in the mix you haven't quite got what he's saying. Because if you'd got what he's saying, you would start to implement the things that he wants you to do so that that word can come into being. So that word can be fulfilled. And you know, sometimes God gives you a word that will take a decade, maybe two decades, before he begins to fulfill it. So many of you know, and some of you are probably listening to our podcasts. That process, which we've now been doing for a couple of years, comes from a word that God gave to me three decades ago. So what have I been doing in the meanwhile? I've been studying, I've been thinking, I've been preaching, I've been teaching, I've been working on the word, I've been reworking the word, so that now, decades after God had given me a word that my message would go out to the coastlands that were waiting for it, that is actually going on. But I tell you, if I hadn't have done what I've been doing for the last three decades, that message wouldn't be going out at all. So God wants to teach us. He wants us to understand. Because in understanding, we bear fruit. We actually prosper. We actually begin to achieve the things that God wants us to achieve. Now you might say, I'm going to be too old for this. Well, you're never too old. You might have another decade of fruitfulness to be done. And the only way that you're going to produce that fruit is to put in the time to understand the message that God has given to you. And sometimes it will just be a phrase that he throws your way. It will just be a word that stands out amongst everything else. It may just simply be a statement someone makes that gets your attention. Or it could be just as you're listening to the readings that something stands out and thought, I never saw that before. Or it could be something that your preacher's saying. So what I want to pick up this morning now, that's just an interlude, by the way, is Romans 5, 1 to 8. So what is really striking about this passage is it's for those who've been going through a tough time. You know what those are, don't you? And you're thinking, why is God letting this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? 
I just had enough. It's just too much. What have I done wrong? Is God mad with me? Is he angry? Is he upset? Or did he forget me altogether? Or did he just leave me and gone off on a holiday somewhere? I don't know if you have those sort of thoughts. Some of those are extreme. But there are times when things get tough and we feel like, what have we done wrong? So what Paul wants to tell you is you've done nothing wrong. Right, let's get this clear. If you're suffering, going through trouble and trials and difficulties, it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. You know, our Christian thinking often is that if someone's going through a hard time, they mustn't be right with God. Now you've got to read Job to see that interpretation. When Job was a perfect man walking with God, his friends and counsellors which said, look, Job, you must have done something wrong for this to happen to you. Well, let me tell you, that is not the case. How do we know this? Because Paul starts by saying this. I'm writing to those who have been justified by faith in Jesus Christ. So he's writing to Christians. That's the first thing. Not writing to non-Christians. He's not writing to Christians who have fallen back. He's writing to full-on Christians who have been justified by faith. You are right with God. That's what he's saying. So to start the conversation about suffering and why, let's get it clear, you are right with God. God is not mad at you. God has not got a case against you. You haven't inadvertently done something wrong that you can't remember and he's not happy. Paul says, no, no, no. You are right with God and you are at peace with him. So that's a good thing to know, isn't it, at the start of this. And it's done because you've accepted the grace of God. Now, I don't know what you do when trouble comes and difficulties come and you start praying, God, take it away. Or if it won't take away, God, send help. And then if it's really difficult, God, send money. Do you know what God sends? He sends grace. His grace. His unmerited favour. We haven't earned it, but he gives it. It's his love it's his affection, it's his support. The more difficult our situation might be, the more grace he pours into us and our situation. You know when a crisis happens? You know the first thing God's going to do to respond to our need? Is he's going to do something in us. You know sometimes we are the answer to the crisis we're facing. And if we will accept the grace that he's sending to us and allow him to reorientate us, it will change the nature of the crisis itself. It will produce answers that don't seem to be obvious. It will produce a way forward that resolves the crisis altogether, purely because he sends to us his grace. And then just to add to that, Paul 
of all the writers in the Bible would be the most anti-boasting person you could find. Why? Because there on the Damascus Road, he found out that he was absolutely, totally wrong. He had basically authority to kill the Christians off, to destroy this sect that followed Jesus. And there on the Damascus Road, Jesus throws him off his donkey. And all of a sudden he realizes, I'm in deep trouble. Deep, deep trouble. Because Jesus said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And all of a sudden he realizes he's persecuting the boss. The one he said he knew, the one he said he was defending, the God who he was defending was actually the God who he was persecuting. So for Paul, boasting's out. Never again. So we need to take notice that when all of a sudden in a passage Paul starts to talk about boasting, what is he talking about? He says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I don't boast in my own thinking. I don't boast in my own cleverness. I don't like Peter boast that God spoke to me. Remember Peter got that word that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter says, it's the Father who gave this to you. So Peter's on a high. He's the man of the hour. He's the man that God speaks to. And next thing, Jesus is saying, Satan, get behind me. Because he began to tell Jesus how to suck eggs. The last person in the world you want to tell how to suck eggs is Jesus. So think about that for a moment. Next time you want to tell God what to do, think about who you're talking to. Because I don't think God really appreciates us giving him advice about stuff he already knows. And he's known it for a while. Certainly a lot longer than we've actually been alive. So Paul is saying we can boast, but what are we boasting in? that we will enjoy the glory of God because God is giving it to us. And that's the only reason. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We cannot earn it. There's nothing that we can do in this world, in our life, that can earn the glory of God. It is something he wants to give to us. And if we will humble himself, as the writers tell us, then in due time, God will exalt us. And you know, when God exalts you, it's very different to you exalting yourself. Very different indeed. So we can boast in the glory. And then he says this. You're not going to love this bit though. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Woo, hold on. Sufferings is not something we want. But what Paul is saying, just glory in them. Thank you, Father, for another trouble. Thank you, Father, for another trial. Thank you, Father, for this suffering. Have you ever done that? That's the last thing you're going to do. But that's what he's saying. 
Because whatever this is that you're facing, and here the language is talking about being between a rock and a hard place. You know that statement? And you know the statement, when things get tough, the tough get going? Well, that's us, by the way. Because we're going to glory in the suffering. We're going to welcome the trial. You know, when you decide to welcome the trial instead of despair of it, it changes you. And the moment you change, everything else changes. The crisis changes. The trouble changes. you still got it, but you're going to use it. And you're going to use it for your benefit, and you're going to use it for God's benefit. You're going to use it to benefit others, and you're going to use it to benefit the kingdom. So that bit of trouble, that bit of difficulty, that trial, can be turned into something totally and something that is incredibly useful because it's going to change who you are. Because he goes on to say, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Now, perseverance isn't allowing people to walk all over you. It is persevering in the trouble and the difficulty to see it through. Not walking away. Now, there are times when we need to walk away for something. But this is not the one. We need to see it through. We need to press through. We need to continue in God. We need to continue with walking God. We've got to get rid of our anger. The anger of men and women does not work the righteousness of God. Suffering produces perseverance. I'm going to see it through. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let this thing overwhelm me. I'm not going to allow it to rule the coup. And then perseverance produces character. And there's the key. God wants us to be men and women of character. When we give in to suffering, when we give in and don't persevere, when we don't see through what God wants us to see through, we lack character. And if we're going to survive as men and women of God, we have to get character. We need the process that Paul's talking about so that we develop and we grow in character. And then here's the final bit. Because character produces hope. It is a hope that will not be denied. It is a hope that will be realized. It will be a hope that will happen. If you've got something, you don't need to hope about it. You already got it. Hope is about something you don't yet have. But it's coming. Realized hope is coming. It's on its way. Now, you know, one of the things you don't have to develop in this process is you don't have to develop love. Doesn't that seem weird? Surely we need love. Oh, yes, we need love. But what Paul is saying, no, you already got love. You need to develop character, but you've already got love. Because 
God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have the love of God living inside of us in the presence of the Spirit of God. Now, we might need to use it. That's a different question. We might need to increase our use of it. That's a different question. But we don't have to develop love. We already have it. And why is this? How could this possibly happen? What is the cause of all this that can turn suffering into prosperity? And it's simply this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, meant we couldn't do any of this, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So the reason that we can turn suffering into prosperity is because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. He died there to enable us to be men and women of character, realising the hopes that he's given to us and producing the fruit that he wants us to produce. Let us pray. Father, you know tough times come and sometimes they seem to stay. Help us, Lord, to persevere, to develop character, and to realize the hopes that you've given to us. Help us to understand what you want from us through the words that you've given to us, that through that understanding we might produce fruit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.